1: gonna build a house, eh? Then you need to be willing to take the time and to pay the price for setting a firm foundation on that house. And throughout the scripture it speaks of those who are followers who are truly disciples of Christ, how we are a building. We are a building of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a brick and mortar thing that Jesus is worrying about here. He could care less rather this Physical building cracks down?
0: In Luke chapter 6, Jesus describes two different men, one wise and one foolish. The wise man builds a house upon a rock. This house can withstand the elements. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. When hardship comes, the foolish man's house falls. Pastor David teaches us that the wise follower of Christ is willing to pay the full price of following after the Lord. While it may take more time to build a firm foundation, the wise man can endure trial and testing. Because he has Jesus as his foundation. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Building on the Solid Rock.
1: Mr. President, it wasn't, as you said in your news conference, just a bunch of violent, vicious zealots who beheaded people or randomly shot a bunch of folk in a deli in Paris. Neither was it a random gathering of foreign workers who just happened to be Egyptian, who just happened to be members of the Egyptian Coptic Church, who just happened to be people of the cross. In the same way that that Delhi attack was car- targeted against the Jews, the Libyan assassination and execution was a planned out and directed attack on the followers of Jesus Christ. And for years, for years we've, we've looked at this act of martyrdom and we've relegated it to the distant past or to an unknown future, an apocalyptic end of times. We may be beheaded for our faith. Beloved, we're in that time right now. We're seeing it right now, not just in other areas of the world, but it's coming, it's coming even to our shores. Even within the boundaries of our own country, the cross is under attack. The gospel is being reproached in classrooms from elementary school all the way up to university settings. Our Christian faith is continually being challenged. And yes, unfortunately, even in the church, even in the church, the word of God is being dismantled, it's being marginalized by liberal church leadership. And for them, the truth of God's word is no longer a truth. It's being reinterpreted by a godless society to fit their declining morals and to bring no offense to anyone. Oh, we mustn't offend anyone by saying, what is the truth? Beloved, we need to understand that the message of the cross is very often offensive to those who would reject it and stand against it. God help us if we begin to water down the message for some temporary comfort of any man or to conform even to any new or revised law of our own land. We cannot water the truth down. And it's past time for you and I as believers to take a stand for what we believe in and for who we believe in. But you need to realize that if you take that stand, it's going to cost you something. Salvation is free. But to walk in the truth of that light will cost you something. Maybe not death. Not yet. Maybe not imprisonment. Not yet. But it will cost you as your life moves further and further away from the flow of this present world and closer and closer in line with the call of Christ in your life. But you need to remember that the loss that you face through faithful obedience to Christ will be in those things that, that, that don't last anyway and the gain that you'll receive in obedience to Christ is something that no one can ever take away from you. The words of James Elliott, a missionary down to Ecuador, who lost his life along with four others back in 1959. His words were these. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. So let me ask you this morning, At this present time, is your faith set on a sure and solid foundation? Is your faith founded and set on a personal, living, and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if not, what are you going to do when the big storms come? What are you going to do if they told you, deny Christ or face execution? Oh, I'd stand for Christ. I'd stand for Christ. Oh, I hope and pray I do too. But the only assurance we have is if there is a real and true relationship with Jesus Christ in our lives and not just a busyness in religious activity. You see, if it was busyness in religious activity and they told those 20 men to deny Christ, oh, absolutely, absolutely but because they had a personal relationship, they dared not deny the one who bought them. This whole section of Luke, beginning back in verse 17, and on through through the end of the chapter, as I've shared with you, it's, it's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. We, we find a, a longer version of it in Matthew. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 speak a lot more in detail of what Jesus taught that day. But, In both Matthew and Luke, they bring out the fact that what Jesus is talking about here is kingdom living. How you and I should be living our lives as members of God's kingdom. Jesus is teaching his disciples how that if they truly are the children of God, there is a certain expectation on how they should live their lives. And you know what? The same is true for you and I. If it was true for them 2,000 years ago... It's true for you and I. Here at Luke, Jesus asked a very pointed question, didn't he? And it's a question that you and I need to face. He says in verse 46, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say to do? It can't be any more direct than that, can it? You think, ouch, whatever happened to you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild? He's coming right to the point here. But it's over in Matthew's account, in chapter 7 of Matthew, that we see even even a deeper statement that Jesus is making. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says to those that are around Him, I believe the twelve that are there, as well as the others, as well as the others. He says, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of My Father in heaven. Now, Jesus isn't talking about a works-based salvation. But what he is saying is, is, if you truly are saved, if you truly know me, then you'll do what has been commanded. If you love the Father, then you will willingly obey the Father. He goes on in verse 22 of Matthew 7. He says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name? Cast out demons in Your name? Done many wonders in Your name? Taught Sunday school in Your name? Served on the elder board in Your name? Taught from the pulpits in Your name? Ministered in vacation Bible school in Your name? Haven't we done all of these things in Your name? Okay, I added some things to that, but... Statement is still true, because verse 23, Jesus' response to all of them was, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Because you see, Jesus knew their hearts, just as he knows each one of our hearts this morning here in this place. And he knew that they were busy about a lot of religious stuff. But the core of the whole matter needed to be relationship. Relationship with Jesus Christ. And they did not have it. They were busy about being religious. Jesus says, I never knew you. What do you do with a statement like that? What can you do? The problem is, is by the time you get that statement, it would be too late. So I ask you today. Are you known by Jesus? Apparently, there was never a true relationship with Jesus Christ. A lot of religion, perhaps even good works, but there was no real living connection between those who are crying out, Lord, Lord, and to the Lord Himself. That's why the question Jesus puts out is so cutting. cuts right to the very core. Beloved, the gospel has to have an impact on our lives. It must change us. For the believer, it's the very core, it's the very essence of who we are. And I believe that the church needs to be actively involved within our community and throughout the world. But you know what? You don't come here to join a community service organization. I also believe that the church needs to be a place where people can come in, be connected, be loved, be encouraged, and be challenged, but you don't come here to join a social club. The church is here to proclaim the message of the hope and the forgiveness found in Christ, to assist each of us in our walk in Christ, to challenge each of us in obedience to Christ and to surround each other in the love, the very essence of Christ. And if we're not doing that, then we fail. It's just a big fail. We fail because we fail in equipping and preparing people for the storms that will inevitably come on every life. These are storms that no social club, no community action group can ever prepare you for. These are storms that require that you and I have a sure and a solid foundation. And that's why Jesus told his disciples there both in Matthew as well as here in Luke, whoever comes to me and hears these sayings and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose and the storm stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. So you're going to build a house, eh? Then you need to be willing to take the time and to pay the price for setting a firm foundation on that house. And throughout the Scripture, it speaks of those who are followers, who are truly disciples of Christ, how we are a building, we are a building of God, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a brick-and-mortar thing that Jesus is worrying about here. He could care less whether this physical building cracks down. Uh, Okay, he probably does care, but it's not. he doesn't care as much as he cares about your life. It's not brick-and-mortar that we're speaking about. It's the spiritual life of those who say that they're followers of Jesus. And you have to be willing, you have to be desiring to take the time and to pay the price to seek the Lord with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You have to be willing to pay the price to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You have to be in consistent and continual communion with Him throughout your day. You have to be willing to be a servant, willing to serve the Lord and His kingdom's work. You need to be consistently choosing to walk in obedience to the Word of God and to His commands. None of those things come to us naturally, do they? We have to purposefully choose in our life. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, though none go with me, still I will follow. Next, Jesus speaks of the one who wouldn't take the time, he wouldn't pay the price to set the foundation. He says in verse 49, he says, But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Imagine with me, if you would, that there was an individual by the name of Rodney. And beyond all of the relative wisdom, all of the current building codes and practices, he decided he was going to build this beautiful home without wasting all of that time, all of that effort, and all of that money to dig and pour in a foundation for that home. After all, the the, the money he saved on the foundation could be put into all kinds of decorations for his home. After all, nobody sees the foundation anyway. So Rodney goes about building his house. It's decorated with all the finery available. He's got beautiful windows. He's got carved doors. The millwork is just absolutely spectacular and without equal. He searched the world over to bring into his home just the right decor. A real testament to who he was and and to his position in life. Rodney had built an absolutely beautiful home there's another man by the name of justin he also decides to build a house and he surveyed the land he 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 spent a lot of time looking and seeing what it was going to be required to build a house and after surveying the land he determined that he was going to spend extra money for a deeper excavation to be sure that he had a solid foundation all the way to the bedrock And the expense of doing that was absolutely tremendous. Many of his friends told him, man, you're wasting so much money, so much time, so much effort to set that kind of a foundation. After all, it doesn't really matter that much, does it? As a matter of fact, Justin ended up spending so much money on the excavation and on the foundation of his house that by the time he actually got to building the house itself, he realized he didn't have much money to build a very fancy house at all. All the doors and the windows, they were were sufficient, but they weren't showcase status. His interior trim, his cabinets, all of his decor, well, they they were just pretty well normal. But there was one thing that Justin noticed right off. Every time he would close a door, close a window, there was a solidness about that. And there was a security in that that he felt every time he would close that door. It just felt solid to him. He felt pretty secure in his not-so-fancy house. And for years, these two men, they lived alongside each other. Neither one of them had any real problems with their houses. Oh, Rodney, every once in a while, he'd have to re-shim a door because it would be sticking or wouldn't stay closed quite right, or maybe there's a little bit of crack here or there that he would patch up and paint. All of it would look wonderful. And for years, they lived together with no major situations coming, and Rodney would continually think to himself as he sat in his showcase house, what a fool Justin was. This has been so much of an effort putting in that deep, expensive foundation. And he's got such an ordinary home. Look how beautiful my home is. Justin wasted so much to have such a simple house. But then, yep, along came a hundred-year flood. We know about those in Arizona. They happen about every 10 to 15 years. At first it didn't seem to affect either one of the houses, but, but soon Rodney found that this stream of water that was rushing past his house was starting to wear away the soil and exposing his slab. He wasn't worried too much about that until the rain continued and suddenly he started noticing a few more cracks than were normal. Pretty soon even the fancy millwork started showing a few cracks. And those doors that he had shimmed, now they're even harder to close. Or once they're closed, they're they're harder now even to open, and the rain kept coming. Within a few days, this steady downpour, he noticed that the dirt underneath about half of the slab on his house had been washed away, and his house was literally beginning to crack in half next door over at Justin's house. He had been weathering the storm fairly fairly well. A couple of the windows had a little bit of moisture on there, but nothing, it was pretty easy to deal with. And on the right side of his house, the side that was next to Rodney's house, a lot of the soil had been washed away. But as the soil was washed away, it simply exposed this solid, this deep foundation underneath his house. And it really didn't affect anything major. And once the storm began to subside, Justin's house remained completely intact, no problems, very livable. But as the storm subsided, the water continued to come down off of the mountains, and it continued to wash away, continued to wash soil underneath the house of Rodney. And by now, that, that crack in the slab was so severe, it impacted the walls, the ceiling, everything. And the house soon became so dangerous, he had to move out. And all those fancy doors, all those special windows, all the beautiful millwork, all the decorations of that house did absolutely nothing to save his house from destruction. As a matter of fact, the public safety officials, they wouldn't even let him go back in to get his belongings. And as the house collapsed, it took everything with it. Everything that he had. Beloved, it's interesting to see how for years people can come and they can sit and hear the Word of Truth. And gradually they even become numb to the message. They they become literally anesthetized by the busyness of the things of this world and the Word of God does not impact their lives. Many And some of them would even say that they're believers. They spend so much of their time in life, so much of their effort, so much of their personal resources on the things of this world. And so very little effort is ever placed on building a solid spiritual foundation in their lives. A foundation that would allow them to be able to stand against the fiercest of storms that might come in this present life. It's these people, they seldom have time to be in God's Word. Their prayer life is next to nil. Oh, maybe it's, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Certainly I pray every night. They're very sporadic in their church attendance. They wonder why things have changed so much. They rarely or they never step up to serve the Lord through serving the church. And if you ask them, they simply say, well, you know, I'm so busy, I I don't have time. The real problem is they're too busy putting the decorations in place to worry about the foundation of their life. Do you have a steadfast, sure foundation in your life? Or are you simply busy about building a beautiful facade, decorating it with all the finery, that will mean absolutely nothing in your life when that storm hits. When storms come in your life, great or small, are you going to be able to stand or will your whole life be pulled out from underneath you? It's far too easy for us all to fall into the routine of life and not take the time to invest in eternity.
0: We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD. What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what he did do when he was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need.
1: Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks,
0: Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. it's more